we are excited to have uh, Brother Gary Pate with us um, as he and his wife, Dina, are serving um, in Ecuador. Uh, Dina is not with us today. She's actually in Ecuador, and she just picked up a team yesterday, and they're headed towards um, Cuenca this morning and going to have a busy week of ministry. But probably about 10 years ago, I get a phone call from a guy that I've never met before. He tells me his name's Gary Pate, that him and his wife have been called to missions. He wants to meet me for lunch, and I'm like... I really don't want to do this, but he says he wants to take me to lunch, so I'm there, and uh, of course, we, I remember we went to a Mexican restaurant, because that's a great way into my heart, and he's sharing with me kind of um, mission trips that they had taken, what God was doing in their lives. He showed me a video, and that's always a way to, to get you, um, and then he was sharing how him and his wife are going to be going to... Uh, Costa Rica to do some language study, and it just so happened to they were going to be doing language study in a uh, partnership that we had been partnering with, and God just kind of used that. Um, we went to Ecuador, I believe, in 2014 was kind of our vision trip, and um, Gary might explain to you today kind of what they went there for, kind of got turned upside down, and they just kind of stepped back and said, God, what do you want? And uh, when we went to the vision trip, they were just beginning the process of trying to set up some children's clubs, and those are now up and running, and I just, I thank God so much for the partnership, for the vision that God has given um, to Gary and Dina, and just for the way that they are um, so hospitable, and uh, just their, their, the vision and the mission that they have, and if you know anything about Gary Pate, um, his motor never stops, which is completely different than me, I mean, he never stops, ever does he stop. And sometimes I just want to say, Gary, stop. But um, this morning he promised me he will stop eventually and let us out. So I'm going to go ahead and ask Gary Pate to come on up. And if you can make him feel welcome this morning. Well, thank you so much for allowing us to come this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are honored to be here. <clears throat> As Pastor said, Dina is still in Ecuador, and um, but uh, she wished she could be here, but um, she needed some separation from me, to be truthful. Um, yeah, most people need some separation from me after a little while. But, uh, but we love your church. We are so grateful um, for the relationship and the partnership that we have with your church. Uh, bringing teams. Uh, your church supports us on a monthly basis. And um, the truth is we wouldn't be in Ecuador without folks like folks from this church and your church supporting us and helping us. Um, and it's a real privilege and honor. So thank you so much. And, uh, you know, the truth is this morning, I'm just a, an old country boy from Callahan. Dina and I lived out in Callahan for 35 years before we moved out of the country. And um, I say that to say I'm not politically correct, so I'm not just saying that this morning. I, we, we truly have a relationship with your church and the people here this morning, and we're so humbled and honored to be here. Um, let me just pray before we start. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross and you shed your blood and you rose again and you're alive and well, and God, we're going to celebrate that uh, this next weekend. But Lord, we just thank you that you're in charge and you're in control. And God, I'm just a simple man. God, I'm not trained in any way, but I just pray that you would say what you want to say through me and that you would speak through me this morning. And 
God, may I be an encouragement and a challenge to the folks that are here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what I want to do this morning is for those of you who have never heard our story, um, I don't want to bore you to tears, those who have, but for those who have never heard our story, I want to give you a little background about us. Um, we've been married for 35 years, Dina and I. We have a son who's 31. He's actually a youth pastor, associate pastor up in Virginia. And then our daughter's 30, and she's with the United States Air Force. She's with Air Force JAG and uh, just came back from Japan for three years and is in Mississippi now. So we are very grateful this morning that we have two, uh, I guess I call them children still, they're children, um, but we have two young adults that are married and they love the Lord and it just makes it a lot easier on us living in another country several thousand miles away not to have to have them depending on us. Um, but uh, so just a little bit about us. But um, 30 years ago, I went on my first short-term missions trip and it was down to Central America. We work in South America now, which is a whole different part of the world. But I went to Honduras down in Central America and on the way back, the Lord just really began to deal with my heart about people that were less fortunate. And let me say this this morning. When I talk about children and people that are less fortunate, I'm not just talking about from a material standpoint. I'm talking about spiritually. And so I think a lot of times that gets lost when we talk about poverty and the children that we work with. They are very impoverished, but spiritually poor as well. But when I came back from that missions trip, I told Dina about my experience. Well, the next year, she went on a missions trip, and the church I was a part of, just like your church, is very missions-minded, and every year they did a missions trip, and Dina went, and when she came back, she was as excited as I was. And we began to pray that God would use us in the capacity of full-time missions. And for those of you sitting here this morning, uh, most of you probably know that God's timing is different than our timing, and his ways are different than our ways. He doesn't do things the way we want them done when we want them done, but when we look back, we see that he knows what he's doing. And that his plan is perfect always. And so we begin to pray that God would use us. And many, many years went by, 21 to be exact. And in 2010, Dina and I went down to Ecuador again. And by this time, we had taken many, many missions trips because we committed to giving one week of our vacation every year to go on a missions trip. And so I was in the business world most of my life in Jacksonville. Dina was a nurse when we left the country at Baptist Hospital. And so we said, we're going to take one week of our vacation every year, and we're going to go to a third world country and serve. And when our kids got to be 10 or 11, we started taking them with us. 17 years ago, give or take, we started going to Ecuador. Again, we'd worked in about 12 countries. And for whatever reason, God just gave us a burden for Ecuador as opposed to the other countries. I can't tell you why this morning. That's kind of a God question. But in 2010, we were down in Ecuador. It had been 21 years since my first trip. And it was almost as if the Holy Spirit said, now is the time. Now, I've never seen God in person. I've never heard God speak audibly. But you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, you know it's the Holy Spirit. We can ignore it, but you know when it's the Lord. And I told Dina... Keep in mind, we've been praying all these years for God to use us, and we were at a point in our lives where we thought God didn't want to use us. But we still gave the missions, we still went on missions trips, and were involved. But in 2010, we were down in the jungle of Ecuador, and it was almost as if the Holy Spirit said, now is the time. And I told Dean, I said, Dean, I think God is now giving us a release, a peace about doing this full time. You know what was interesting for Dean and I in 2010 is that our kids were out of college. We had a six-digit income, we had no debt except the mortgage on our home. And from a monetary standpoint, we were flying high. But it was at that time that God said, now is the time. 
We came back to Jacksonville in 2010. I worked for a Christian employer at the time. And I went to him, and he had been to Ecuador with me. He knew my heart for missions. And I said, uh, I said Rick, I'm going to be resigning because I think God is calling us to full-time missions now. Over the next year and a half, we began to sell everything that we own on Craigslist. We resigned our jobs, and as Pastor said, we went down to Costa Rica for a year. And I can promise you this morning, my English is bad, my Spanish is worse. <laughs> and you, you will know in a few minutes that uh, I'm nearly, I'm not an eloquent speaker at all like your pastor. I stumble, stutter, forget what I want to say, and I've got about a thousand things I want to say, and sometimes I get lost in that. But, um, but anyway, we went down to Costa Rica, and folks, I'm not bragging this morning except on the Lord Jesus Christ. We went from living in a 3,000-square-foot house with an in-ground pool to like a 700-square-foot apartment. And you have no idea what it's like to live with me 24 hours a day, every second of the day. And all of a sudden, we had gone from a lifestyle of where I went to work every day, Dina went to work every day, we saw each other a couple hours a day, and now we're literally working together, sleeping together, eating together, going to school together, and like there's no break. There's no separation. We're living in a country where neither one of us speak the language. We're living in a country where we have no transportation. We walk or ride a public bus wherever we want to go. And so you can just imagine the challenges that that brought with it. And so God got us through that year of language school, and Pastor mentioned it briefly, but, you know, it was not an overnight decision to move to Ecuador. We didn't wake up one morning and thought, well, hey, let's just sell everything we got and move to Ecuador. That's a great idea. It was over a process of a few years, and the plan was there was a lady down in Ecuador in the jungle that we knew, and she had started an orphanage. And down in Ecuador, if a child is born with any kind of a defect, spiritually, I mean, forgive me, physically, mentally, or otherwise, the jungle people will throw that child away because they believe that child was born that way because of evil spirits and witchcraft. And if they allow that child to remain in the village, then the evil spirits will dwell among them. And so this, this orphanage took these children in, and the lady that ran the orphanage, she was a friend and still is, I guess, but we decided that God was speaking to my heart to go there to be the administrator in that orphanage because she had always asked for an administrator. She had 80 kids and 24 employees, and having employees in Ecuador is a whole different animal than having employees here and so that's where God was calling us not only that but there was a missionary hospital right there in that little jungle village and Dina was going to go there as a volunteer nurse well just before finishing language school she let me know that she didn't need me anymore the lady at the orphanage because she had found someone else to be the administrator while we were in language school and then we found out a little bit before that that hospital that had been there for 70 years was closing so Dean and I found ourselves in December of 13, sitting down in the jungle of Ecuador. We're living in another missionary's house because they were in the States raising their own support. And we don't really know anybody. We don't have any transportation. Our Spanish is a little bit better than it was the year previous because we'd gotten out of school. And we're sitting there thinking to ourselves, man, what in the world's going on? Because we had been telling churches like you that we were going to work in an orphanage in a hospital, and now all of that's falling apart, but it was no, to no fault of ours. Dina even looked at me at one point and said, hey, man, let's pack up and go back to the States. But we knew God had called us there. And you know, folks, one thing I'm reminded of in the mor this morning is in the book of Ecclesiastes, the Bible says better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and better are the patient in spirit and the proud. 
Also, in the book of Galatians, it says all things work together, or in Romans, it says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and serve the Lord and called according to his purpose. And in the book of Galatians, it says don't be weary in well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. And so this morning, if you're going through something or you're facing something or something's on your heart, know that God's got it all worked out. He sees the end of what's going to happen. You know, part of our faith is trusting Him and believing Him. He knows what's going to happen this afternoon. We don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know what? He already knows. And so faith is trusting Him that He's got a plan. He's, the Bible says He knew us before we were born. Man, think about that. He knows how many hairs are on our head this morning. And so He's got a plan and a purpose for each one of us. Well, God took us from that situation that looked really destitute and my biggest concern, Pastor, was, man, what am I going to go tell all these preachers and what am I going to go tell all these people in these churches that I've been telling I was going to work in an orphanage and that Dean was going to work in a hospital? What am I going to tell these people? But God got us through that, and, man, it's just amazing where God's taken us today. Today we work in nine different very remote villages. For those of you that have been there, you know what I'm talking about. We drive up to an hour and a half to two hours to remote villages where... The children literally live off the land. They live in mud huts. Most of them don't even have a refrigerator. If they've got a stove, it's a little one-burner kind of stove. They grow what they eat, and what they don't eat, they trade with their neighbors. There's no stores up there. Even the schools they go to, they walk an hour or better to get to them. And listen, folks, we live in the southern Andes Mountains of Ecuador. We live at 9,000 feet of elevation. The areas that we work are 10 and 11,000 feet of elevation. Just to give you an idea, Colorado is at 3,000. We live at 3,000, uh, twice that, that altitude. And these children walk an hour to come to our Bible clubs that we do every week. And they're just in a mode of survival. Like I said, they're not only very impoverished monetarily, but they're very impoverished spiritually. Most of the children that we work with and the adults that we work with most of them come from a Catholic background, and I'm not here this morning to say anything negative about Catholicism, but what I am here to tell you is what we understand and what we know the children believe and are taught where we work. And they're taught they don't need to read the Bible because they're told a man will read the Bible to them. They're taught that they don't need to pray to God because a man will pray to God for them. They just go to the man. They're taught that they get to heaven by doing good deeds and good works. What we do is we go into these villages... We get the children together like you are this morning. We play games with them. We teach them a lesson from God's holy word. We share with them that Jesus loves them and has a plan for them and that he died on the cross for them and he cares about them. We teach them they can read this book themselves. We give them a Bible every year and a backpack that we give them to go back to school with. And we teach them they can read the Bible themselves. We teach them they can talk to God themselves because you see a Christian life is about a relationship. It's not religion. Religion is garbage. But a relationship with Jesus is no different than the relationship you have with your wife or your friend or your family member that you talk to them. Imagine going a year without talking to your wife. Oh. If you, if you go a year without talking to the Lord, there's not a much of a relationship there. But we have relationships with those around us because we enjoy that fellowship. And, and our Lord Jesus Christ enjoys our relationship and our fellowship with them. So these children we work with, we, we go in there and we do what's called a discipleship program. You know, I think back so many of the missions trips that I've been on over the years because we used to go on missions trips and then we used to lead missions teams and now we're down there hosting them. 
But I think about some of the trips I did way back in the early days in the missionary or the national. They'd get a bunch of people together, two, three hundred kids. We'd work with them all week. And to be honest with you, when we left, I'm not sure anything happened. And I look back on it now working with other missionaries, and it was kind of like a dog and pony show. Hey, the gringos are coming. That's what they call us, gringos and gringas. The gringos are coming. Let's get a bunch of children together and work with them. And then after that, I'm not sure anything happened. What we do is we go into the same villages every week. We have a discipleship program just like you have church every Sunday morning. And we teach the children and love on them. We have about 20 to 25 teams a year that come down and work with us like your teams that come and your team that's coming here in just, just a few weeks. And we're so excited. And what we do is when the teams come, we give them a chance to teach the Bible lesson. We give them a topic, but they teach the lesson. And if we don't have a team there, we still go and we teach a lesson. So we're not just doing it because the team's there. But we get the children together and we teach them a lesson from the Bible. We sing songs with them. We play games with them. And then after the lesson, we will ask the children questions about the lesson just to see if they were listening. And if they know the answer, we give them a little 25-cent prize. And, man, they're so excited. We do a little craft with the children that's based on the Bible lesson that week. And the children take that craft home. And on that craft, we put a memory verse. And if they go home and memorize that verse and they come back the next week and they stand up and they say that, we give them a little prize. Man, I'm telling you, we give them a little Oriental Trading Post toy worth about a quarter, and these kids think you gave them an Xbox or a PlayStation. I'm telling you, man, they're so grateful, so excited. I remember here just a few months ago, we averaged about 1,000 children a month, 200, 250 a week. And here just a couple of months ago, Brother Micah, we had about 220 kids that week, and 180 of them knew their memory verse. Now listen, I come from a pretty large church here in Jacksonville, and I'm not sure there was 180 kids last week that memorized a memory verse. And I wake up some mornings just being transparent and honest with you, and I look in the mirror, and I ask myself, what in the world am I doing here in Ecuador? Because it's not easy, and it's a challenge, and sometimes it's, it's lonely. We don't have a church family like you have. We don't have blood relatives like you have. But I think about these little children memorizing God's word. And I think about the eternal value that has. Because you know what? I'm 56 years old and a lot of the people I work with down in Ecuador, they're kind of like me. They've got their mind made up and they're kind of stubborn. But the children are the future. And if we can invest God's word into the children, who knows that one of them won't be the next president of Ecuador? Who knows if one of them won't be the next Billy Graham? Who knows if one of them won't be the next leader in their village? And folks, we can't save anybody anyway. It's our responsibility to share the gospel and love on people. And even here, we have a mission field when we stand in line at Walmart or Target at Dollar General. You know, wherever we go and whatever we do, sometimes we don't even need to, to be heard. We just need to be seen. And our witness, our testimony will shine through that. You know what's interesting this morning is we all have a different story to tell. My story is that my mother was married six or seven times. My wife's mother was married six or seven times. I grew up very insecure. My dad died when I was 10 years old. I remember as a child, after my father passed away, I was so insecure that I was afraid to go to sleep at night without a light being on. But you know what? I've never been a drug addict. I've never been an alcoholic. I, I can't share that story. I don't know what it's like. But we all have a story to tell. We all come from a different walk of life. God has saved each one of us that have given our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have a different story to tell. 
And all the Lord wants us to do is love on people and share our story because there's people hurting. There's people that have a big hole in their heart and they're looking for something to fill that emptiness. And folks, it's not sex and it's not drugs and it's not alcohol and it's not new boats and RVs and it's not all the material possessions of the world. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can search and we can long and we can seek, but until we come to the realization that Jesus is the only way, we're not going to have happiness and peace. It'll last a little while, yeah. But he's the one that gives us true peace. I'm going to show you a video here, and this video is only three minutes long. Dina always gets mad at me when I say that. Why do you tell people that? Because it seems longer than that, but seriously, it's three minutes. But you're going to see some of the villages that we work in. You're going to see some of the villages that many of you that have come have been to. Uh, you're going to see some of the villages they're going to when they come. Uh, you're going to see a little boy saying his memory verse that I just spoke about. And uh, we have three Ecuadorians that work with us full time. We believe, when I say we, Dina and I, that in no matter what country we go to and we work in, we believe the nationals can reach their people better than we can. First of all, it's their people. Second of all, they speak the language a lot better. And third of all, they understand the culture a lot different. So we have three Ecuadorians that you will see on the screen. They work with us full time. And even when we come back to the States to raise money, they continue doing the work. Man, to me, you just don't have, you don't have any idea what a blessing that is, that the work never ceases. It's ongoing year-round. And so what a blessing that we can equip and train these nationals to carry forth God's word and, and to work in these villages. So, brother, if you've got that video ready, um, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and keep it up.
that just gives you a little visual about what I'm telling you. You know, the thing is, too, what's interesting about all these children that we work with and that you saw in that video, they're not made to come to these Bible clubs. They come because they want to. Many of them bring their little siblings along with them. And uh, like I said earlier, many of them walk a long ways in a very high altitude of mountains to, to be there. There's one village that your teams have been to um, that we go to every Wednesday. And in this particular village, uh, we work with 60 to 80, 90 kids a week. And within this village of 30 minutes, there's 13 other villages. I'm trying to paint you a picture. So imagine Ocean Way and Ewley and imagine, you know, Arlington or whatever. And there's no evangelical churches in any of these communities. I want you to think about that for a minute. And so the only gospel that these children get is what we bring them on a weekly basis. And when we go into the villages, we don't condemn Mary or we don't condemn the priest. We don't condemn Catholicism. We just share the love of Jesus with them. I remember a few years ago, we live in the third largest city in Ecuador. It's called Cuenca. Not that that means anything, but there's a ton of Catholic churches there, and there's a lot of evangelical churches where we live. That's why we don't necessarily work there. We drive to these remote villages. But I remember just a few years ago at this time of the year, we didn't have a team in Ecuador, and um, we weren't in the States. And I remember going downtown on Good Friday. And... Uh, all of the government offices and all the public transportation and everything was shut down on Good Friday. And there were just lines and lines and mobs of people lined up outside all of the, the Catholic churches. And, uh, you know, they were waiting because there's something they do, I guess, on Good Friday, and I'm not being critical, I don't understand it, but they have to visit so many churches or something. But, you know, what was very interesting that was on Sunday, the day we celebrate the Lord's Resurrection, Everything was open and running as normal. All the public transportation was up. And so Mary gets way more respect than Jesus does where we live. And so again, our message is that God loves the children. I want to share a testimony with you real quick. Every year, um, we give out these backpacks. And what we do is we put everything in the backpack that children needs to go back to school, which is a big deal because in the villages, again, we work in, there's no stores, and so... For a mother, if she's got the monetary resources to go buy the things that the children need, she has to get on a bus early in the morning, take it to the city, which is about an hour and a half, two-hour ride. She has to stay there all day and then come back in the evening because the bus usually only goes down to the city in the morning and it comes back at night. And my wife came up with this idea a few years ago, let's give the children a backpack when they go back to school. Now, we don't do a lot of monetary things in terms of giving them money or monetary things because... What we want to do is teach them to be dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ like you and I are. The answer is not giving them money. They don't know that they are impoverished. They don't know they don't have anything. But from time to time, we try to do something from a Christian humanitarian aid perspective. Because what we don't want to teach them is to be dependent on us, but to be dependent on Jesus. And so we came up with this idea that Dina did to give the children a backpack when they go back to school. And what we do is when teens come down, we ask them, hey, would you like to buy the crayons? Would you like to buy the colored pencils or the glue sticks or erasers or rulers or whatever? And then we put a full Bible, Spanish Bible, in each of the backpacks. And many of the children don't even have a, back, a Bible in their home. And so when we get done with this, we have about $15 in the whole, the whole deal, the backpack included. And a couple of years ago, 
we uh, went to these two villages. What we do is we go to one village on Monday, a different one on Tuesday, a different one on Wednesday, and two on Thursday. And we have these black duffel bags um, that we put the backpacks in. And you can put about 20 backpacks in each of these duffel bags. You can't even squeeze the 21st one in there. 20 in there stuffed. And so we loaded up those duffel bags that morning, and we headed out on Thursday. And when we got to the first village, there were way more children there than normal. Now listen, we didn't tell them in advance we were giving something away because the whole country would have come. We got there, there were more children than normal. And we gave them all a backpack. Well, we got to the next village, and in these two villages, we actually meet in a little Baptist church. We work primarily with the Quechua, indigenous children and people. They're little short people. And when we got to the second village that day, there were more children there than normal. I don't know why. And so I went to the little pastor there, Pastor Juan, and I said, Pastor, we have a problem. And I said, since you're the pastor, we're going to let you be the bad guy or make the decision. And uh, I said, uh, we don't have enough backpacks for the children, because there are more children here. Now, he could see that there were more children there that day than normal, and he could, the, chi the other children knew that. And I said, the option number one is that you explain to the children that there's more kids here today than normal, and they could see that, and that we are going to give the ones that come normally a backpack. And the ones that are there for the first time, we're going to give them a backpack, but it's not going to be today because we don't have enough. And if they start coming. The other thing we don't want to create is kids just coming to get something. We want them to come to hear the gospel and to build a relationship. And getting something is just a bonus. And so I said the second option is we don't give anybody a backpack, even the kids that come all the time. We tell them there's more kids here than normal, and uh, when we come back, we'll bring enough backpacks for everybody. He made a decision to give the children that come on a regular basis a backpack he explained to the children that were there for the first time that if you keep coming, we're going to give you a backpack. You're just not going to get one today. And so we went through our normal routine that day, and I hate to use that word, but we sang songs, we played games, we taught a Bible lesson, and uh, we did the craft, we gave them cookies and Kool-Aid, and then after that, my wife was standing down to my right, and I remember this like it was yesterday, and she started calling out the names of the children that, are, that were there um, on a regular basis. And as she went through the list, she got to the bottom of the one that was the last one of one of the regular kids, and she looked at me and said, do we have any backpacks left? And I said, yes. So she started calling out the names of the ones who were there for the first time. And she called out a few names, and she looked at me and said, do we still have backpacks? And I said, we do. And she looked at me again and said, do we have backpacks? And she, I said, we do. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but she asked me a third time, and I said, don't ask me that again. Just call the names. And folks, you know, look, I don't know how much, I'm just a simple, truthful guy. But when we got done that day, every one of those children had a backpack. Now, here's what, I don't believe anything happens by coincidence or accident. That's just me. You can say I'm naive if you want to. But a few weeks earlier, we had talked about the fishes and the loaves. Do you remember that story? you remember all those people that showed up and they were on that mountainside? That's what the Bible says. And Jesus told his disciples, hey, feed those people. And the disciples looked at him and said, what do you want us to do? We don't have any food. And there was a little lad there with some fishes and some loaves and, and Jesus took them and he blessed them and he passed them out. And there were fragments left over. Well, a few weeks later we had taught that story about the 12 basket full of fragments that were left. And when we got done that day, we had 12 backpacks left over after every child got a backpack. 
And look, man, I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't know how these lights work by you flip a switch up and down, they come on and go off. I don't understand how I can FaceTime with my, my, my daughter in Mississippi from Ecuador. I don't know how all that works. I don't know how God multiplies backpacks and fishes and breads, but what I can tell you is he did and does. A few weeks later, we didn't have a team there. One of our Ecuadorians was teaching the lesson because when we don't have a team, we take turns teaching the Bible lesson. And one of our little Ecuadorians was teaching the lesson a few weeks later. And she was talking about how we can pray to God and how we can ask God to meet our needs, which is really foreign. Listen, if you, if you grow up in our environment and you're told every day that you don't need to pray to God, that you go talk to a priest and he'll talk to God for you, you don't understand asking God to meet your needs. That's foreign to you. But she was teaching the children about we can talk to God. We can ask him to meet our needs. He's there for us. He will hear us. And after the lesson, she said, does anybody have any questions? Well, again, the culture we work in is a very stoic, somewhat introverted culture. They never ask questions. They just sit there. And sometimes you don't even know what's going through their little minds or their big minds. But over to the left that day, there was a little girl. She's about 10 or 12 years old. And she had three or four little siblings with her. And she was a little bit more, I don't know, her parent, her pants, can't talk, her pants and her shoes were a little bit more tattered and torn than the average child. And she raised her hand and she said, would you pray for my mom and my brothers and sisters? Our father has left us and we don't have anything to eat. And so we told the children, first of all, we admonished her for being brave enough to raise her hand and ask the question because that is very unusual. And then we told the children that we were going to pray for her. Well, after the club that day, I went to the pastor and I said, do you know this little girl? Do you know her family? And he said, yes. I said, do you know the story that she's telling is valid? Because sometimes you don't always get the truth. And he said, yes. So on the way back home, it was an hour and a half drive and my wife's bawling like a baby. And, you know, we're a little bit moved emotionally, man, when a little kid stands up and says, hey, we don't have nothing to eat, you know. Um, so we went back to the city that day and we did what you would do. We bought rice and noodles and beans and we bought tuna fish and we bought all those staple items and we took them back and gave them to the pastor. And we said, this is for that family and we don't want them to know that it came from us. Um, we want them to think it came from you and the church so that you can use it as a way to reach out to this family. And I can tell you so many stories this morning like that where God has moved in a mighty way. We started a youth club in one of the villages because the children in Ecuador, if they're in elementary school, they go from school from 8 in the morning till 12 o'clock noon. And if you're in middle school or high school, you go from 1 to 6. A lot of the children that we've worked with for a few years, they've graduated, if you will, from elementary school to middle school. They can't come to our Bible clubs. They're in the afternoon. And so we started a youth club in the evenings in one of those villages for many of those youth. Again, those youth that come, they don't go to church. They're not made to come, but every week they come as we share a little bit from God's word and we encourage them and love on them. I want to share a scripture with you just real quick here. And you're going to know this first verse. I probably shared this when I was here before, which has been a few years ago. But I want you to, this verse in Romans 10, 13 is a verse we know. But what's interesting is that sometimes when we use the Romans road or quote the Romans road, we never think about these verses. And I just want to share this with you. It says in Romans 10, 13, everyone, for everyone, doesn't matter where we come from, what walk of life, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And, can, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
And so this morning, your church, being a missions-minded church, you are sending people to tell them. And you know what's interesting is that we are all a team. You know what? Not everybody's called to go to another country. But we, if we are believers, God has given us all a responsibility. Not an option, a responsibility to pray, to give, and to go. And so one day I believe, you can call me naive again if you want, but one day I believe that there's going to be children in heaven and there's going to be adults in heaven and they're going to come up and they're going to tap you on the knee or the shoulder and they're going to say thank you, thank you, and you're not even going to know who they are. And they're going to say, I heard the gospel because you gave. I heard the gospel because you prayed. I'm in heaven today because of you. And so, folks, I believe, I really believe in my heart that one day we're, we are going to be revealed to the ones that we reach out to. They're going to know us even if you've never met them. The other thing I just want to encourage you with this morning as I kind of wind this down is that God is not looking for our ability but our availability. I want you to think about that. My situation is one where in the monetary world, I guess people would say I did okay in the business world. The truth is I never finished high school. I never went to college. I've never pastored a church. I've never been on staff at a church. I was just an old country boy in Callahan. And when Dean and I felt the calling to do missions and doing what we're doing today, there were a lot of mission organizations that we were not candidates for because I'd never pastored a church or went to college. But we knew God had called us. And so if God has put something on your heart to do in this church or otherwise, and your excuse is, I don't have the talents or the ability, God doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your ability. What he wants is your availability. And so whatever God is putting on your heart, I challenge you to give your time to the Lord. The other thing I want to challenge you with is that missions is not simply crossing the sea, but seeing the cross. Think about that for a minute. When we see the cross, that's missions. And our message to these children is, is that, again, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again the third day. He's alive and well. And we cannot get to heaven by good deeds or good works. We can't get to heaven by taking a test. We can't get to heaven by running a race. It's a free gift. If I offer you a free gift, you have two options. You can accept it or reject it. Salvation is a free gift. The price has been paid. We either accept it or reject it. Boy, it's pretty simple. Living a Christian life is not easy, but I'm telling you the concept of salvation is pretty simple. You accept it or reject it. Those are your two options. And that's what we tell the children. Just as I close this morning back on the table, um, we have some prayer magnets that the Lord would speak to your heart to take one of these. Put it on your uh, refrigerator or your gas tank cap. People go there a lot. And uh, just pray for us. We would be grateful. Also, we send out a newsletter. Many of you are getting that. Uh, if you would like to get this one-page newsletter, we only send it four times a year, so we're not going to send you a bunch of junk mail like credit card companies. Um, but you can fill this out and leave it on the table. I didn't mean anything negative if you work for the credit card company. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat at Pate Ministries if you use any of that social media. And again, I said this earlier, and listen, folks, I almost don't want to say this, Pastor. Pastor knows I'm not politically correct, so you can come up here and shut me up if you want. But, you know, your church supports us every month, and we're grateful. And there's other individuals that support us in this church. And we raise 100% of our support. We are not being funded by some mission organization that sends us money every month. If everyone who gave to us 
personally or church-wise quit, we'd move back to Jacksonville and get a job. We are funded by individuals and churches. 78% of our support comes from people just like you sitting in a pew. 22% of our support comes from churches. But there's a brochure back there, um, and if you want to take one, and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart about helping us in some way, a little bit adds up. Um, just be obedient to the Lord. Let me say this. We do not want your tithe. Your tithe belongs here. That's what the Bible says. If you send us your tithe, and I know it's your tithe, I'm sending it back to you because your tithe belongs here. But if the Lord speaks to you to help us in some way. The other thing I want to mention real quick is we have a little project going right now. And no, I didn't bring these gator boots um, for Brother Micah, but um, my wife bought that. I didn't. Um, but we have a little project going called Precious Feet. It rains a lot in the mountains where we are, and uh, we can buy these little rain boots for less than $10 a pair. And we're giving all of our children a pair of these rain boots. We put something on social media about that, I think. But again, if the Lord speaks to your heart in that way and you want to help us there, all the gifts are tax deductible. Um, I just want to, I'm going to close, I promise. If you've never been to another country, we're only four hours from Ecuador, I mean from uh, the United States, from Miami. Get with Pastor. And I'm telling you, if you come, you will leave blessed. I promise it will change your life. And it will give you a new perspective and a new outlook. And I'm not kidding you. I feel safer in Ecuador than I do in the United States, honest to goodness. I do. We don't have people going around shooting people up at gas stations and waffle houses and churches and such. It's very safe. So if you ever feel led to come, we have groups come that are in their 70s. We had a group from Alabama a couple weeks ago. Every team member was in their 70s. And then we have young people come. So if you want to come, please come. I just want to leave you with this real quick. Over in Colossians, the Bible says this in 6-7. And I've noticed this in three different places in my morning devotions recently. The Bible says this, work with enthusiasm. Think about that. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Folks, what we're about, if you're a born-again believer this morning, what we're about is working for Christ, sharing his love, sharing his gospel. And so I just want to close with this question if you died in your sleep tonight where would you spend eternity think about that if you died in your sleep tonight you're not going to wake up in the morning so you can't wake up and say Lord please forgive me of my sins come into my heart because you passed in the night if you pass in the middle of the night do you know without a doubt that where you'll spend eternity if you don't today is the day of salvation not tomorrow not this afternoon this morning and so I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor. And uh, if you don't know for sure, folks, the devil will fight you. He doesn't want you to give your life to the Lord. But there's a loving Jesus out there that died for you. He gave it all. God gave his only begotten son, and Jesus gave his life for each one of us. So this morning, if you don't know him, I pray you will today. God bless you, church. Thank you for listening to me. And uh, please come by the table. God bless you. Thank you so much, Gary. Let me just end our time, and, and we're about to have an invitation and go from there. But let me just say this. First of all, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Um, you know, a lot of times people might say, even people in church, I hear this, even people in church, well, why do we go there when there's people that are lost here? And yes, there are people that are lost here, but here's the difference. Access. Access. Draw a five-mile circle around here, and guess what? There are 50 churches Draw a five-mile circle where Gary lives, and there are none, especially evangelical. And think of, and there are people who are living and dying and have, have never 
heard what Jesus has done for them. Brothers and sisters, we have heard. And we have, as, as Brother Gary said, we have a responsibility. A responsibility. Whatever God is telling you to do, you know, there, there's going to come a day where all we're going to have is excuses. <laughs> or what we did for God. I pray that we would stand before God with not excuses, but God, you said to do this. It didn't make sense to me. I did it. And may you receive the glory. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. Maybe God is telling you to do something today. And maybe there's excuses being made. But let me, let me just remind you what Gary said. God is not interested in our ability. He is interested in our availability. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you now. We thank you for what you are doing, God, in, Lord, this, your church, what you're doing, God, in your world. And how you are taking the gospel message to people who do not have access to it, and even people that do have access to it, they're hearing it, and they were able to respond to it. And Father, I just pray today, God, as, as Gary spoke, Lord, and as those words and, and he spoke, Father, hit us in different ways, and Lord, you, you, your spirit, Father, just pricked our hearts in different ways, God, that whatever it is that you are telling us to do, that we would do it, that we would put our yes on the table, and that we would trust you, God. Or just finish this service, Lord, as Gary said, if there's anyone in here today that does not know you, may today, this very moment, be the day of salvation. May this also be a moment of people saying yes, Lord, whatever it is, yes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.